Welcome back to Crick Club, where we talk about Criterion Channel movies that we've never seen, we being four friends. Uh, and this week we're back with 1979's Real Life, Albert Books' directorial debut. My name is Peter, Peter Allen Clark, and I am here with Corey. Hi, Corey. Hello. I am here with Wizard Chris. Hi, Wizard Chris. Uh, hello, everyone. And certainly, last but not certainly least, uh, Angela. Hey, Angela, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thank you. I'm very well. Thank you very much. I appreciate you asking. Yeah. Sure, sure. So the whole thing, as I just said, is we four friends love film, love talking to each other, love Criterion Channel, and so take a revolving turn to for each week somebody new picks a movie that none of us have seen, and then watch it and then talk about it. It's that easy. This week, I was the one who picked Albert Brooks' 1979 directorial debut, Real Life, which is a sort of mockumentary, more of a spoof, based around 1973's reality program called An American Family that documented a an American family one year of their life. And Albert Brooks decided to take this concept and turn it on its comedic head by, <laughs> <laughs> by plotting and casting and filming uh, maybe it wasn't a year. Maybe it turned out to be six months of this their life or four months of their life. Um, uh, in a um, yeah, spoof, satirical, mockumentary, uh, a real old comedy meta film uh, around this one family, uh, who is the father of which was um, Charles Grodin, and the mother of which I only remember her as the woman who was the mom in Gremlins. Uh, yeah, is how I <laughs> think about her. Um, also, I wanted a good to... mom role. Very good mom role. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to watch this because I. I feel like I have a real thin grasp on seventies comedy, and I have a real thin grasp on Albert Brooks, both of which I'm actually pretty interested in, and so I wanted to sort of dive into this. Uh, I have not seen any of his other directed, written movies, and so this was basically not only his directorial debut, but my viewership debut of watching an Albert Brooks movie. And so this was uh, a real experience for me. And I think ultimately a good one, but I'll go into my thoughts a little bit later. First, I'd love to hear from you all. What did you all think of this film? You all both, you all all have more experience with Albert Brooks than I do. And so what did you make of this film? How do you think it compared with other ones you've seen? And what are your thoughts? Yes, Corey, go for it. I have one question before we get in. Did yeah. anybody watch any of An American Family? I feel Which like is, I'm, I'm aware of it from a cultural standpoint. Like, I vaguely remember that it sort of happened and that it was something that the early 70s were interested in. Had you, do you? No, uh, but I feel guilty for not watching it. I feel like if we truly wanted to delve into um, the cultural milieu of which this is spoofing, uh, it would have behooved us to have watched the, that, at least one of us. So, so I recall writing uh, writing an essay in my journalism class in university some years ago about like reality television. I basically didn't want to do the assignment, and so I did something <laughs> super last minute and hacky, and that is part of being a writer too, a valuable lesson. Um, but I did do a little bit of research on uh, on 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 that particular show, um, the Loud Family. Um, was the family being documented. And the only notable thing I can remember about it um, is that one of the the son in the family, Lance, Lance Loud, um, he comes out to his family uh, during the course of the show, um, which is super notable and not, some, not something that I really detected in 
like there was no coming out moment other than I suppose when spoiler uh, Charles Grodin kills the horse um, there was really no like coming out moment no like moment of like that kind of like intense personal uh, uh, revelation I guess um, but yeah that's my experience with uh, an American family I think it's called I can't remember yeah, um, yeah. and Angela had you ever seen or have any knowledge about American family before watching this and just the most basic of knowledge about the same as everybody else in terms sure. of that this film exists. I mean, however, I think that as, as you know, 40-ish, thir- late 30s, 40-ish year old people, we've lived amongst reality TV for yeah. years. So, and also um, the experience of our dumpster fire of a country this year, I just feel like gives us plenty to discuss in relation to this film. So I'm not too worried about having not seen this um, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost adorable to look back at the naivete of reality television. I guess that was well, kind that of was my, my first big impression. takeaway from this. Um, well, go for it, Chris. We, let's uh, lead it off. What were your thoughts about this movie? Did you enjoy it? What were your, what was your experience of real life? So I really enjoyed it for about forty-five minutes or an hour. Um, and then I felt that it really runs out of gas. And I started to wonder, well, why? Why is that happening? And the best I could come with is that, like, in the show, or in the in the movie, ultimately the family choose not, they're like, we don't want to be a part of this thing. It's hurting us. Um, which is something that would almost never happen today. Um, you would just, like, find more volunteers to, like, jump into the, into the meat grinder, so to speak. I think that the movie suffered because it it it's the ending is almost quaint like the director goes mad and he burns the set down um (laughs) is basically how the movie ends right only the set is somebody's house and you oh no my god um it was super funny like the movie starts off super strong the guys with the fucking camera uh helmets the one working camera helmet was so so funny um and um, his like song and his like little song and dance number, his little soft shoe bit at the beginning, um, <laughs> and they're all like, "Why are you doing this?" He's like, "Ah, whatever." Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and every scene with Charles Grodin in it is amazing. Charles Grodin is one of the funniest uh, comedic actors ever. He projects this awkward intensity that is terrifying, um, yes. and just uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just ultimately like uh, around the hour mark, I was like, oh God, I think I think we're running out of ideas. I don't think our experience with reality television has I, I like the like at that time, I don't think the experience with with reality television had progressed to the point that it is now where I found the ed- the ending to be terribly satisfying. I thought that I don't know, it was kind of abrupt. And yeah, like I say, I felt that it ran, it ran out of gas near the end. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, oh, go ahead, Angela. Oh, no. Uh, I'm just going to say I had to turn off. This is another film where I had to turn it off within like seven minutes because I was like, this is too painful. I am living the 40 year old <laughs> results of this mockumentary. Um, and also, just in terms, it was, it kind of reminded me of the, the plumber in terms of the cluelessness of the privilege that um, Albert Brooks' character had and like how he treats women. Um, and just how clueless he was. Um, it's just, it's, it's just not, 
This I'm going to be giving this film the lowest score I've given a film yet. Um, did you turn it on after the seven minutes? Did you turn it on? I again did. After I I I, I had to watch it in chunks. I finally finished it last night, but the best part for me was the ending because mm. I was like, yeah, this is the only way this can end is is in a Gone with the Wind moment, um, and I love that they even use the score. Um, and and I just I love how this guy you know he was trash to begin with, and he's. He is just really gross. He's horrible. He's a horrible person. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he gets what he deserves. He doesn't get to finish this project. I think I really enjoyed um, the extent to which um, they talked about race in this movie um, mm. in terms of, um, you know, here's this very well-educated black man. And I think there's a scene in the movie where he's like, why do you have a problem with me as a black man? Or, or like, you can't even deal with me. Or something like that. I forget, but it was just, I was like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Corey, what were your thoughts? I, um, I also didn't really like it. Um, but, uh, I, I, it was, inter- it's interesting to, to go back and look at it and see how, like, yeah, quaint it is about, you know, their ideas about reality TV and all that. And just even, like, the idea of, you know, putting together like an expert panel to observe and do it for science. And like, we're furthering the, you know, collective human knowledge doing, that's not what fucking reality television is. Like the reality television is trash, but it's so funny to see how but that's, like, but this was also trash we, though, right? This was like, that's that, true. yeah, yes. they, they, they but, told people they were doing all this research, but ultimately, right. right it was like, they didn't want to go to Minneapolis. Right. Yeah. Or so, yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's just funny to see that like they were even like back then still trying to, convince people that this was like for some sort of higher purpose or whatever um i thought that was that was amusing well um it is worth pointing out that even as recently as what 2000 i think uh the first season of survivor was also billed as a social experiment so like there's always been like vague vague attempts to like connect reality television to like a kind of like anthropology experiment yeah you're not watching trash you're watching a a well-orchestrated social experiment yes you're learning display you're learning that we're all bastards for when we have to compete for a pittance of money. Yeah, this uh, isn't rotting your brain at all. My, uh, anyway. my take, so I, um, I'm sorry, Corey, were you done? Well, uh, I mean, sort of further of my impressions, uh, it, the way that it starts off and kind of the vibe that I got was like, it felt almost like early Woody Allen type stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I kind of thought it was going. And then when I was kind of in the middle of the movie and realizing that I wasn't enjoying it, I realized, oh no, this is more. This is much more like a Judd Apatow movie. Who mm-hmm. I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate <laughs> Judd Apatow's movies. Um, All of I've Judd only seen Apatow's a handful movies? of them. I, well, the the ones that he specifically writes and directs. I mean, he will produce some that are fine and good by other people. But like when he writes and directs it, it is they are boring, jokeless, like usually just like trash you know movies like i'm thinking of like um 40 year old virgin and like knocked up yeah. and it's just like th- there are movies where there are funny wacky situations and so you're supposed to be amused by the funny wacky situation but there are never any jokes mm-hmm. there's never any point where you react or laugh you're just i guess supposed to sit back and you know i don't know smoke a joint or just get drunk and like watch the amusing things happen with the amusing people like there's yeah, never any he, there's never anything funny in his movies they're not funny 
I think he <laughs> leans pretty heavily on like knowing super charismatic people and having like a real excellent eye for like, hey, these people would have some really interesting chemistry as like a comedic group or whatever. Um, but there aren't like nothing yeah. hits, nothing lands. There's no jokes. And so I was I really realized that when there was a scene when he's dresses the clown and then he comes and comes in dresses the clown and then he like sits down and they all have like a really serious conversation while he's still in the clown outfit and it's like oh hey funny situation but there's but there's no no jokes so in interesting there's nothing like actual to make to make you laugh or anything like that so my so, like yeah that, that's kind of my big impression was it reminded so me a lot of john apatow my um because i think mine is like somewhere in the middle between wizard and angela um, and I think, I guess I liked it more than everyone else. Although I still like, definitely don't think it's like a great movie. I think I ultimately really think it runs out of steam. I think that there's this, like, there's a, there's an interesting avenue where they could keep focusing on the family and instead it focuses on the, what it takes to make this movie and the, the mono, the, uh, megalomaniacal direction of that. But like I also love. The difficulty in making the movie yeah. is not as interesting as like. Yeah, you're watching them, the like, sausage get made of instead it. of tasting the sausage, right? Um, exactly. And, yeah. uh, but, I, but I also love the, I also love the, the ending because I think it's extremely self-aware at like both within the, within the world of the film itself, as well as just a really funny idea of just like, I don't know, a big fire, just burn it down, burn it all down. This is trash. This is all trash. Burn it all down as the, the thing. It's I think real. seeing it. So no, wait, like, I, I guess it's the God with the, Oh God. Good. So, so like, so my, so the reason I enjoyed it so much is because I, I think I have a real vague or naive or even a little condescending sense of com- comedy in the sixties and seventies. Right. Um, and like, I, I don't like, for me, I was just really j- joyous watching for the first like 45 minutes to like an hour of like, because I was like, Oh my, this is, this seems so, so well realized and so well understood. And like a lot of this is so funny. And I, and I think about these things that like, and I, it's, and I think it all boils down to like comic sensibility or jokes though. Right. Is like where you talk about no jokes. And I think about, Oh my God, I think about like him, like eating breakfast in bed and like getting this phone call. And it's like, it's just so funny that, that he spit like that. He's filming himself eating breakfast in bed and being lazy. Like that was just so funny to me. But I also think there's a character here. There's like a really, obviously, the one of the big jokes of the movie is this intensely vain character, uh, which which I think is which I think, uh, and and you all can stop me if this has been sort of uh, explored before in the in comedy. But this like intensely vain character is just like sort of a, a standard to comedy for the past like thirty or thirty years or so. But like I think this intensely vain character that Albert Brooks portrayed and wrote about this was enormously funny until that like vanity leaked into the screen, like leaked into the making of the movie itself. And so I think it like became part of the movie. And I think it's an enormously self-involved and self-interested movie while also being a movie making a joke out of vanity. Like, like it, it gets wrapped up in its meta-ness and its actualness. Uh, and then, and then that's why I love the like orgasmic ending of just like fucking burn it down, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is all trash. Burn it down. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely think that that was the point of it. Yeah, for I, sure. Yeah, and I and so like I but like and I want to talk. I want to talk. I want all of us to talk about this later because I, I I've loved how so many of the movies we've talked about in this podcast or uh, in this group have been like 
first time movies or like early career movies. And like, cause I felt so much of that energy in this one of, of he definitely had a premise. He had like the main story and then it, and he had an ending, but there was like this weird middle sort of like third, like a middle thirds part where he would just. What I really wanted is for someone to have taken the script and punched it up. Like, I think he needed like a co-writer, someone to go through it and say like, this scene is way too long. Cut this down here. Pop, throw in some jokes like this. Wouldn't it be fun? Like, I I wish there was someone else that looked at the script and they they would have like made it better. I think it would have benefited from that. What if this was the punched up script? Well, yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) Could have been. Just thought. So, I don't know. When I think of 70s comedies like two things pop into my mind uh monty python and which was uh, 60s oh, i guess the movies were 70s sorry yeah and uh the jerk by steve martin which i think and was 80s no the jerk 70s okay um th- i mean because th- those are the things that pop into my mind and those are 79. it was the same year as this movie hilarious oh, very nice yeah. and those are packed full of clever witticisms and silly jokes and like all that stuff and so that's it's i don't know that's just my personal preference, you know. People love Judd Apatow. Maybe people really were into you know, this, this kind of stuff. I, here, I so. don't see it's so funny because like I don't see the, the I don't see the comparison between Judd Apatow and this movie. Like this, I like oh, only in that, only in stretch. that, like that, like well, like the eating like, breakfast uh, well, and bread bed thing, where like that's a funny situation where he's eating breakfast in bed or whatever. But like what what hits the brain that says laugh? About I mean, it. I laughed. I like. I just okay. thought it was very. I mean, like it was. Like I think. I think the the thing these two movies have in common to me is being both self involved. Is like the both the filmmakers think that it's really funny, and so like they are like. And so I think it's with you like not having an editor and not having anybody like let's sort of rework with this because the filmmakers sort of have so much control over the project that it's like ah yeah that's good no matter what let's just go with it I know what I'm doing that's great like a confidence that may not be earned. In my opinion. You know what? This movie makes me wish that we could watch movies that we have seen before, even like, especially if we haven't seen them in over a decade. Because if we're talking 70s comedy, uh, Shampoo is on Criterion Channel right now. And it's kind of about the L.A. area at the time with Warren Beatty and actually a young Carrie Fisher is in it as well. Um, And speaking of script doctors, Carrie Fisher was one of the industry's greatest and best ghost script writers um so i wish we could watch that and i I do want us to revisit whether this rule because i feel like this rule (laughs) is for some weird self-serving reason so that no one feels bad about a movie that nobody likes but my i'm confident enough that uh we can handle that i would love to see shampoo but i'm just gonna watch shampoo again and talk about this later (laughs) I would love each and every one of you to hate every movie that I treasure (laughs) deeply in my core. I would love to take each and every one of these movies and lay them on the altar of Crit Club and have Mm -hmm. my friends just say, absolutely not, like stab a dagger into each one of my treasured favorites. I think that'd be a good experience for all of us. That seems like a, a sort of an off-mic discussion that we should probably have. Uh, and Angela, I, I loved it. I'd love to hear sort of more about like what was it that it that made you turn this off in the first seven minutes? Like what was it that that uh, was a, more difficult to watch than it was for me? Well, I mean, I think that for me, I feel like I'm I'm living a, this awkwardness of 
of reality television. I mean, the reality television has come to our doorsteps because our our president is literally a reality show mm-hmm. host. Um, and so, and it's not been an easy time in this four years with a reality show president. Um, and so I, when I'm watching media, I am watching it to to escape this notion of living in a, the reality television world. And so it does the opposite. It reaffirms that world we're living in and it, it makes me sad and uncomfortable. And I have a visceral reaction to it that exhausts me. I mean, given what we're all going through. Um, and so I just have to take it step by step. I have to like, sure. nope, it's going to be. And it's really, uh, it's because Albert Brooks's character mirrors Donald Trump. He doesn't <laughs> give a shit about other people. He just wants to profit off of everybody. He thinks his ideas are amazing. He will make up reality in order to have the world serve his purposes. And um, I think we're all seeing the results of that. And that, like, it makes me worry even more for the election because uh, this guy just, you know, he's like, I'm just going to burn it all down. Well, is that what's going to happen with Donald Trump? I hope not. So that's why I couldn't. I was like, no, I'm (laughs) Well, it also wasn't like a light movie, right? Like yeah. they killed yeah. that horse. Like that's grim. <laughs> that's dark, right? Like I was like, this is a this is a choice. This is a uh, grim, dark choice. Choices, uh, <laughs> choices, choices. Um, Tatiana, the uh, the the wife, the wife character, um, Jeanette. Um, her gesture of trust is to invite him and the crew to her gynecologist appointment. Um, <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> that was amusing, yeah. Um, and, then, and then the and then doctor the, the gynecologist also, freaking out. He's that, like, that was... he's a real bad guy. <laughs> he's a baby broker, whatever that might be. <laughs> Um, really, there was really some funny. funny stuff in it. The funniest thing to me was the montage. There was like the slow motion montage and there was one scene where the dad is like at a bowling alley and the ball is coming up on the return and like it's just barely coming up on the crest of the return and he just slowly reaches for it in slow motion and then the ball rolls away and he has this very slight like oh disappointed look as the ball like slowly I watched that like three times I thought that shot was hilarious that was showing that was showing the French how to do a slow motion motion montage and he fucking nailed it (laughs) I mean like I agree with like with like Charles Grodin you see you said it better than I've like I ever could explain it wizard of like a dark intensity or like a whatever I forget even how you phrased it but it's like he looks like he might murder his family at any moment Uh, it's so funny it's so funny to me the quiet desperation uh, of American midlife. Right? Like, he just, like, he's just like, why isn't this enough? Why does my family hate me? Um, <laughs> we agreed to do this. And, like, it matters so much to him in the beginning that they, like, he's the last one to break um, during, like, when when they finally sit down and they're like, we, we got to stop. It's ruining our lives. Um, it takes him so long to break. He's like, this matters so much. Like, we're having a fun time, right, everybody? Um, <laughs> he's trying to, like, get them to act for the camera. Like, well, we've never, like, not cursed at the dinner table before. Like, all that stuff. Um, and just, like, him as your father sounds, like, nightmarish. 
<laughs> so how did this compare to other Albert Brooks things that you all have watched? I did you all enjoy other because because for for the listeners, I had first floated. You bet your life is that what it's called? Defending, defending your, your life. life. De- defending your life, which I was uh, that was my first thing, but but uh, other people had seen it. How does this movie compare to others? Defending Your Life is significantly better. I mean, for one thing, Meryl Streep is in it, and that's going to uplift any uh. movie. Um, and, uh, but I think the framework is better, and the screenwriting is better, um, and it doesn't lose its stuff in the middle of the film. I think this film suffered from a lost second act. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know how, I don't, when you're writing a screenplay, a lot of people find the second act is the hardest one. To part to do because you have a, a type of climax in the middle of the second act that begins everything to continue to the third act and it can be hard to fill that in sometimes and I think that's what happened with um, Albert Brooks I mean that French montage was filler yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah and like after that it's all the stuff with him like talking to the producers and like the voice on the phone who's like hey we can get james khan i'm like what is this like yeah. i did not sign on for this part of the movie um yeah bring back like the quiet desperation of the american family that's that's what i was into um well, I mean, the friggin' robot heads like that dude in the so every single funny. time was so funny uh and and that's why I was ta- and like that's I think what I meant by like this movie is all about the like sense of vanity and real life not being real life and all that stuff and then it just took it oh like it took it to an extent where it made the film actively less entertaining and explored because it was so wrapped around the idea of of the mo- makers behind the movie because um, there were so many so many rich veins to mine that it kept it would it would go off in directions like that like there was that just that stretch that like uh the you know i don't know the three-fifths to four-fifths of it was just like what is yeah exactly like what's what's going on what are you what are you doing here what am i supposed to be caring about or watching about yeah. this and like and then the I wife like starts like thinking about cheating on her husband but then like doesn't and just kind of like oh that kind of came and went i don't know yeah yeah exactly yeah and it's you know if it's supposed to be based off of this an american family story and uh and if there were moments like that of like the the coming out or whatever like just there's a way to write that or orchestrate that in or have that be part of the drama or part of the tension within you know some version of that or some tension within it but the the only tension was this man's insane and wants to make this and as a viewer you're not supposed to you don't want him to continue to make this, right? And so, like, like, like that, and that's very intentional. I feel, and so watching him, solely watching him behind the scenes trying to make this thing that you don't want to continue to make is not interesting uh, or funny because it's there's no stake because the viewer, as a viewer, I don't don't feel like there's any skin in the game for it. So we're cheering at the end when the house is what, burning down yeah exactly because it, because it's all garbage because it because because again like because i i think I, I think it's the more i think about it, i think it's a real grim pessimist cynic cynical movie right because it's not only like albert brooks the filmmaker is is batshit insane and megalomaniacal like also this family is like riddled with its own problems like this real life is not real life and like willing to forego any sort of emotional or mental or familial health at the sake of you know the cameras are on or, or whatever like that uh, and so burn it all down. Um, and maybe I'm being too cynical about the family. I think they were generally heroes by the end, but, but I feel like this, this film was very much, uh, supposed to, yeah. 
Um, as, as it relates to other Albert Brooks uh, material, all I can say is that um, this, uh, this Albert Brooks, the character, is like full uh, or is like a proto-Hank Scorpio in yeah. everything that he does. Um, <laughs> it's like maniacal energy, like limitless yeah. confidence and no regard at all for the people around him. I was like, oh, yeah, OK, I can see what you're doing there. Um, I'm curious if that's the character Albert Brooks plays often in his movies because I see it. I see like uh, like some. I see him play like a self-involved uh, character very well. Like it's important that when we talk about like I think I think as an actor, Albert Brooks does a really good job. I think that the character he's playing is really really um, like him playing himself is very complicated and makes it hard to talk about. But I feel like the performance that he gives as himself is very good. I agree completely. Um, he like projects like that insane narcissistic confidence so well that um it ups it upsets us um to see uh in these times uh of uh of what what have you um i i didn't realize that albert brooks voiced hank scorpio oh yeah, yeah. um <laughs> yeah and that's something also that i think is worth uh, that i kind of was looking for um because like uh, Albert Brooks is like is very influential on uh, on like early seasons of The Simpsons. Like he's a big presence uh, as like a voice actor in he plays like three or four different roles like in those early early seasons. Um, and I've always wondered like what lessons uh, you know Matt Groening and the other writers on The Simpsons took from specifically this because it does seem like there's probably a connection there. Um, and you know, I, I think that there is quite a bit of uh, quite a, like to say there's quite a bit of The Simpsons in uh, in this particular in this movie, like uh, that kind of like, or especially early Simpsons, like that quiet, desperate father seeking like to impose perfection uh, on his family because the cameras are rolling um, is very like early early Homer Simpson. Um, so I thought that was kind of fun. I was like, oh, that makes me nostalgic for. That's good. Uh, season one for some I like reason. That. I like that a lot. I'm curious about other, like, and if you all have topics, please, please feel free to jump in. I've got a list of them here, um, but I don't want to dictate it. If you all have other things that you'd like to discuss about this movie. Um, I, I, I keep, and it was, it was so, cause I guess I'm just so historically minded when it comes to this. And I think of, and reading up on him, a lot of people considered him sort of like the seventies is Woody Allen, as you'd mentioned before. And, uh, and I think, and I think those are two different personalities, at least in this movie that he's bringing to this, whereas Woody Allen is like, you know, has the self deprecating, I wouldn't, you know, shtick of, of his own. Whereas this is like the blindly confident sort of thing. Um, and I, I really plot that against, I, and I, I thought for some reason I did think the jerk was like 81, but it's, it is really interesting to know because the jerk is, top three best comedy movies of all time to me and it's very interesting to think of those both of those movies being made in this this same year um very different sensibilities uh and um i don't know i guess i don't have any thoughts or questions around that but that's where my head is at right now what do you all think about 
this in the terms of because I haven't looked this up and I'm going to do a tiny bit of searching here about like the history because I also love thinking about this movie in terms of the watermelon woman which we discussed last week uh, in terms of like mockumentaries or fake fake documentaries and I think uh, this this must have been one of the earlier ones to sort of like ape that in a way it's interesting because I was thinking about this um, in terms of I think last week I said that I would want to show the watermelon watermelon woman to a bunch of documentary students mm-hmm. uh, because it, it just plays with the form so much, even though it's a narrative film. And I would actually do the same with this film um, in terms of um, what the what the main character is trying to do is this self-referential documentary filmmaking or in the mockumentary yeah. But he's doing it really badly. He's not um, self-referential documentary filmmaking is meant to make a viewer aware of of the perspective from which you're coming from so that you can understand its bias, not so that you can prove that how you're portraying something is the absolute truth um, or that it is benefiting the participants of the film. Uh, so I feel like this was a movie about how not to do a documentary <laughs> and um, it's specifically like self-referential documentary. I mean, there was nothing, there wasn't a single thing I saw in that film that was like an example of good documentary filmmaking or even like <laughs> not any, even the cameras, not he, even the, the <laughs> robot the, cameras, the technology. He comes into town like day one, and he yeah. does a huge fucking like yeah. Sinatra bit. He paid oh, two thousand for that buffet. I would yeah. say uh, that shirt. I, I just I loved the shirt that he was wearing. It's a good yeah. shirt. It's great. Yeah. It's a good shirt. Um, he like he shatters the fourth wall immediately, and it's just like fuck um, realism, fuck everything. Like we are just like, and the whole thing doesn't matter because the the Jaegers live in in friggin' Arizona, and the other people live in Wisconsin. Like it begins <laughs> with him imposing his vision so onto funny. reality. And I, yeah. I, I, I wanted more goofy shit like that. Like, yeah. I, I like the goofiness <laughs> of the cameras. I like the goofy Sinatra singing or whatever. Um, I just felt like that became further and further, you know, far between or whatever. I wanted some more just real, just off the wall, goofy shit. It got so grim. It got so dark. It gets very grim. Yeah, yeah I had a to... quick. Sorry, go ahead, please. Uh, the horse dying was definitely a point where I had to turn it off. I turned, yeah, I was like, okay, we're turning that off for a while. I'll be back. <laughs> because there's not even like a, a like a rim shot at the end of it. There's not a bam, yeah. bam, 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 bam. Like, it's just like a considered, like an extended Charles Grodin being like, all right, how's this? Like, we kind of can't keep doing this. This is going to affect my career. Like, there's just like all of this serious talk that around scene it. was so yeah. good. <laughs> really? I did not I think know. it was good. I was I, like, I they could off. be playing this for last, but they're just not. No, I it thought was, it was funny but, too. I thought it was, was funny as well. So, he's so desperate, like so desperate. Yeah. He's like, it's like, oh I, God, I, this I, is totally backfired. Oh God, like he just. <laughs> I thought it was funny too. I, I um, was, his performance yeah. really sold me. Like at, at any time he was on screen, I was like, this movie's amazing. And then when he, like the scene where he sits down and he tells, he tells Albert Brooks that he's having a nervous breakdown. He's like, he's just like got this like thousand yards stare it's like dead serious he's like this is hurting us like i think i'm have i think i'm falling apart and albert brooks is like it's okay like you just you know you just just 
keep doing what you're doing, man. Like you just got to keep, keep shucking and jiving or whatever. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that was super, he was super funny. And then it, later it becomes about, uh, Albert Brooks, like losing control of the project. Um, so to speak. Uh, and I just, I missed, I missed the character stuff with yeah. the, with the other actors. I loved, I thought that was so great. Agree completely. Uh, this seems to have been maybe one of the very first uh, sort of full-on mockumentaries. Like, looking at it, there's, like, a weird hybrid that Federico Fellini did in 1970. But, and, like, I guess the Beatles films are sort of slightly considered mockumentary styles. Mm -hmm. But really, like, this seems to be... I could be very wrong. Uh, listeners, please rant at me. No, according uh, to Wikipedia. To sort of <laughs> one of the very first. And I think that's... Uh, Which okay. I just edited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, and I, I think that's like I I think it's um, it, it's it, it's it's funny to me to think about this movie and like other mockumentaries. I feel like I've watched I've watched I like I feel like I've watched so many mockumentaries and like how many of the staples of them are can be seen sort of in this early sort of prototype of it uh, within like the imposition of of you know itself of like the fact of how far apart they are from actually being a document of real life and all of this sort of like overt. Uh, imposition, I think, is a is a word that I mean. Yeah. This guy didn't want to document reality. He wanted to create reality. Yeah. Yeah. I want to watch The Jerk again now. I know, me too. <laughs> Such a good movie. I found my special purpose! Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> um... I don't know. Do you all have any thoughts about, um, because this is, I, I tried to count, but this is, I guess, almost all, if not all of the movies we've watched have the, the, been the first or the second filmmakers. And I feel like this still, this movie still had that, like, uh, you need to take some more time with this, like that exuberance of like, I've got a story that I want to tell and tell it this way. Uh, endings are hard. Even Stephen King, uh, still but this had a great ending. ending. I still it think has, the ending was like the best part of, or not the best part, but one of the best parts of this movie. It reminded me of, uh, there was this A.M. Holmes novel, Music for Torching, except the burning of the suburban house comes at the very beginning. It's like the greatest setup. It's these families doing this little barbecue and the mom and dad and kids are outside. And the dad just kind of like looks at the mom and then looks at the barbecue and then just kicks the grill into the house and it starts burning and they just kind of both look at each other like yeah and then the but that's the beginning and then the rest of it is the, like their life going to shit after that Wait, um you... oh sorry please. i know it reminded me of that y'all had mentioned so i'm gonna just admit i <clears throat> i'm not a huge movie watcher i've definitely watched my fair share of movies but i'm not like a cinephile or anything like that someone mentioned gone with the wind i will admit i have never seen gone with the wind um what is the connection here is there a big thing that catches on fire at the end of Gone with the Wind? Oh yeah, um, the, plantation the plantation burns down. Okay. Um, yeah. There's like a big. There's like a shot of her like standing against, like silhouetted against this like blood red sky, and uh, it's very dramatic. Tomorrow is another day, or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's been a hot minute since I've seen Gone with the Wind, but that's very much like a a, tr a trope. Simpsons also did it. Um, <laughs> tomorrow is another school day. <laughs> but I, but I think of this the ending of real life again and it, again it's it, it's so self involved but it's really worked for me, of like 
it's it seems like a very clear writer thing to be in the writing room of like Albert Books writing this movie and like how the fuck do we end this? Like what is the way to end this? Like what is at all a satisfying like culminated way and getting so frustrated by it? Like this to me it's like a very writerly sense of just like just shut it down, shut it down, burn it all down, whatever. Like this, you know, it's it's both the easiest thing burn as well as down. the most effective thing. And it's like, and it, I think it, I think it really worked so effectively for me in this movie as if he was doing it with real people, like, you know, quote unquote, real people's lives. And that was his answer as a writer, as a performer of like, we just need to go out with a bang. We just need to go out with a bang. And, you know, without, with that complete, uh, um, uh, with that complete separation of actual reality, uh, what was going on. And that, that was enormously effective to me as just like a sort of, my jaw sort of dropped and I realized it was very funny while also very grim. Um, it's really scary how, really scary how uh, quickly that house goes up <laughs> yeah. in flames. Is, are all yeah, American right. homes like that? Oh, like, yeah. Just immediately. Ticky tacky, <laughs> press board. Oh, yep. Especially in the um, 70s. Also, he comes in wielding a torch, which I thought was just like the, him. In the, the nicest class. house in press board estates. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know if you want to talk about Charles Grodin's career and as the dad in Beethoven. <laughs> is Beethoven in the Criterion Collection? Because we can only, I feel like we can only talk about it if it's gotten. Uh, I think gotten Grim. The... I think Gremlins would have a better chance. Well, that's perhaps true. Um, I mean, we don't. We don't have to. Charles Grodin. He's uh, he's a man of quiet desperation. He's great in Midnight Run, and he's really funny as the dad in Beethoven. Um and uh, he was really good as uh, as Louis C.K.'s doctor on Louis, but we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I think I used to use Charles Grodin as like an example of a cheesy actor uh, mm. when I was a teenager. Like like I would say, you know, this actor isn't cheesy enough. They should have gotten Charles Grodin. Um, <laughs> but, Beethoven, uh, Beethoven yeah. second. He was in Beethoven second as well. As well, oh, as good for him. Yeah. Came back yeah. for the sequel. He was also in um, Dave. I just remembered really liking Dave when I was a little kid. I don't know why. I think I just liked Kevin Klein. If that's his name. Huh. So, um, does anybody have anything else they want to discuss about this movie? Or are we ready to roll the dice, so to speak? Oh, jeez. So, so, well, I'm curious about what people's thoughts are. Like, given kind of everyone's sort of look at the, at the movie and, like, sort of looking at it. Uh, Albert Brooks is like this like evil character or like this kind of like this like cynical sinister character um the the scene in the movie the scene in the movie that kind of stuck with me the thing that I think ties everything together like our feelings about reality television now and like our distaste for like him and this project the scene that I thought was most telling in the movie was the scene where um where the wife kisses him and she's like, I think I'm in love with you or something like that. And he's like, I'm super superficial. I'm like so shallow. Like all of my charisma is like this, this deep. Yeah, I'm a shell uh, or whatever. I'm a shell. <laughs> I am nothing. Um, and like he's saying it, he is kind of saying it in the context of like, you know, because I'm not here because the artifice is not here. Um, but I think that he's also being very honest about himself in that moment. And um, and so, and I think that speaks to the soul of everything that we're experiencing up to the present day like we are experiencing like people being shells trying to slowly make us shells of ourselves 
Um, so, like, you know, I thought that was a pretty, like... I liked that part a lot. I thought that was a very revealing... I thought that was Albert Brooks, like, sort of revealing what his thoughts were about all of this. I am so glad you said that, because I you helped me sort of put to thought something I was considering with this movie, which is he's never... He's a very two-dimensional character, and I kept... I think to the movie's success... Like, I think in a good way, and I kept waiting for... Because he was never malicious like right he was never like there was never active evil intent upon his part right i kept just about the movie yeah like it's so single-minded well i kept waiting for like Like, his motives are beyond us they would give these like sort of hints of of sin or hints of flaws uh that were never like that i like i that i never acted on and i i found it so honestly charming how like how this villain was so unvillainous. Like, they rolled in this huge fucking round bed, and he's like, for the single ladies of Phoenix, which, you know, like, he never makes any attempt to, right? Like, I like I, rem- like, I, I, I think back, it, for whatever reason, I don't know why the breakfast in bed scene sticks with me so much, uh, just because, like, I thought, like, it clicked of, like, oh, I guess here's where he's, like, bummed out about something, or here's where it's like, no, he's not bummed out about anything. He's just, like... He's just like having breakfast in bed because he's really lazy and everything's just kind of going where it's going on. Staring into the middle distance. Like he's like he's a very like he is a very thin, very like uh, unintelligent like character that has no sort of like evil motivations beyond getting into scientific academic journals and like uh, and I kind of like find it a little endearing that like that is the main f- the the main goal of this villain. Um, yeah. Like if Trump wanted to make documentaries instead of be a creature of pure malice and hate, um, he would be Albert Brooks uh, <laughs> trying to finish this project. Just like, I'm sorry that I'm destroying you, but uh, I got to make this movie. I, uh, I have nothing else. It's when you don't when the cameras are off, uh, I just eat cereal alone in the dark. <laughs> Did he do that? I'm Michelle. <laughs> I don't know. The thing that's the most disturbing about this film is that it makes me feel like in many ways America itself hasn't changed much or grown and that we have some serious work to do um, and that um, like our culture is not great. It's it's kind of gross and I, it scares me. It makes me sad. I I actually think that not that it hasn't changed i think it's just gotten much worse like it's just gone down and down and down from then like this is so this is all very like naive and like quaint and all that stuff by today's standards it feels like but they i asked I, to stop which nobody would do today the family <laughs> says this is destroying us which no one would ever do today people line up and say please destroy me on the internet but I would, I would think I would even disagree, though, because I think this is like, uh, because I think this is, because in the many, many, many ways that real life is actually not reflecting real life, like, their focus is on this, like, upper middle class nuclear family of, like, a doctor and whatever, like, that, like, like, that is not an American life, right? They're, like, focusing on this thing that's not an American life. And if I could push back about American culture, like, this isn't 
and I think purposefully it wasn't trying to depict American culture. It was trying to like depict a very, very thin segment of it. And if we've gotten better as a society, as an American society, it's that the perspectives are trying to start widening as we're trying to, to highlight a broader yes. section of stories. I, I, I agree with that. I, I guess I was saying like, just the, the, the content of what they're choosing to even make a reality show about in 1979 yeah. is quaint by today's standards. Like, and oh, I would we're going to go look at this, at, yeah, at this, like, slice of Americana or whatever. But now it's like, you know, all I can think about are the worst examples from 10 years ago, like Toddlers and Tierras and, like, botched, you know, plastic surgery and all that stuff. I'm sure it's gotten way worse now. Like, <laughs> Disagree. Completely disagree. He, really? Albert Brooks went into the fucking like, uh, uh, vagina doctor. <laughs> like, like that was, that was like a good scene for him of yeah. getting, you know, going into the, the OBGYN. Uh, yeah. like, and so that seems like right in line with what we're doing right now. Right. I guess so. They were good. I mean, like, um, hey, they were gonna go in that room, and Bachelor and Bachelorette still has the. Uh, they close the door whenever they consummate whatever they want to consummate. <laughs> isn't isn't Wizard, there a show called wink. like Sex Island? Like, is that that's a that's a real reality show? I think. Uh, I don't think it's around anymore. I don't know. <laughs> Sex Island. I'd watch that. Um, <laughs> I'd watch ten seasons of that. Isn't isn't that like from Love Thirty Island. Rock? Love Island is the uh, Milf Island is Thirty Milf Rock. Island. Okay. Love Island Milf is the show, and I Love Island is Thirty Love Seasons of Milf Island. Yes, Love Island. Yeah, Love, Love Island, Island is the okay. one. It's like UK. It's a UK show, and there are tons and tons of seasons. But they're terrible people. Like I, I've seen like some clips of it, and they're just rotten humans. But because of the people who would want to be on a reality show, right? Like the More same way, like Island Charles Grodin is a yes. terrible person because Charles Grodin's character would want to be on a reality show, right? Like this is oh, like... Oh, no, 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 because no, Charles, because they went through all of the <laughs> they went through the big line and they went all the men in white coats were ticking the boxes and everything Oh, else. I'm sorry, this is scientific. Yeah, so, it, was so, it was scientific. Science. <laughs> Okay. It was for science, even though his entire family hates him for doing doing this to them. Which yeah, he didn't choose; he got chosen. Oh boy! All right, I think we've given real life its due. <laughs> right. Unless there are other things. That, is there any final thoughts before we give this our score? And I can lay out the score that we do it. Any final watch thoughts about Beethoven. real life? I'm really glad I watched watch this. Beethoven. I, I, I feel like watch this Beethoven was Beethoven second. I feel I'm really glad I watched this. Yeah, it was great. Like I like it was definitely not a, gr a great movie. I think, but I like I love having the experience and knowledge of this movie. Eh. Do, you, do you want to start off with the score? Well, let me just so for for new listeners, uh, we here at Crit Club are highly invested into role playing in Dungeons and Dragons as well, and so we take our scores out of a, a d twenty out of that roll of the dice. One through twenty is the score we give it. Angela, I'm going to turn it to you first. What's what's the score? You said you were going to score at the lowest of any one of this. Where does it fall on that sacred die? Oh seven. 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 Yeah. I can't, like, I really, I mean, I it brought up the question for me about, like, is a movie bad just because I don't like it? Um, or can it just be a movie that I don't like, but in its own little universe be a, a movie that is quality? This is your score. This is my this score. Is, is, yeah, your score yeah. That, that, that reflects what you feel. You don't have to worry about other people. Yeah. I feel right, bad. Seven. I don't want to. I don't want to give you a seven movie, but I didn't know before. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I want to dispel this notion that we have to like everything yeah, no that blame. It somehow. Exactly. Yeah. It's, no blame, it's a reflection no of of anybody here if a movie doesn't turn out right. 
No, that's um, one of our rules. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it is. No, Art is subjective. Also, is art subjective. Yeah, um, but no, I really and and it's it, it's unfortunate because I do think Albert Brooks is a great filmmaker. I love Defending Your Life. I loved Mother, um, but this movie was just not. I was not in the right frame of mind to to enjoy this film. Corey, where are you going? I was also so usually when we discuss, I end up bumping my scores up some through the discussion. I think it's been it's really uh, useful and fruitful for me to hear your all's perspective, to think about things I wasn't thinking about, to catch things I might have missed or whatever. Um, and that did happen this time. So I was also originally a seven, and I will bump it to an eight. It's oh, still yeah. I still did not like it. Corey still hates uh, Judd Apatow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wizard, what are you doing? Um, the you discussion does. The discussion tends to uh, tends to elevate my scores too. I have yet we there. I'm. Sh- I cannot wait for the day when a movie, when discussion of a movie makes me hate it more. Um, but That's I'm going to give this a ten. I thought it was funny, um, but not consistently funny. Um, and I don't know. I'm not thinking about it as much anymore. Your Which I don't score, think is good for a movie. Your scores just lowered my score. No. <laughs> don't play catch up. Like no, I don't. It's, yeah, it's I, your yeah, score. I'm not gonna play catch up. Yeah, I think it's my score. Like I, I, I genuinely think this is a uh, a valuable movie. Like I, I think it's like whether I absolutely don't think it's perfect. I don't even think it's great. But I think in terms of like. 70s American culture mockumentaries like 70s comedy the history of that like this was this was a special this was like something I think is not special is the wrong word but I think it's valuable I do consider this valuable gonna go with 14 going with a 14 I feel okay with that uh that's that's my my role on this hell yeah um lastly Angela is up next with next week's Crick Club pick so Angela what are we gonna watch I am so excited because um, there's a filmmaker from Japan uh, called Hirokazu Koreeda, uh, and he made two of my favorite films that I enjoyed while I was in film school, uh, Mabarossi and Afterlife. Um, he has a very unique point of view about family uh, and death. Almost every single one of his movies is kind of about how people cope with life after death, um, and uh, this one is no exception. Um, this is about a, a family in Japan who... Uh, What's it called? It's called Still Walking. And it's about a family where one of the children had died saving a stranger. Um, and the children are coming together for a little family reunion. Uh, and they're kind of working out some of the remaining feelings of that loss. Now, it doesn't sound very dramatic. Um, what I love about this filmmaker... Corey might not like this movie uh, because it's very slice of life not Shut a Apatow. huge plot i Fucking um, seth rogan coming to terms <laughs> with shit but i i love this filmmaker because of that realism it makes me feel like i'm inhabiting a world um and immersed in it without artifice or without uh a reason to care because i find that the usually the characters are and the cinematography is so compelling that uh i'm 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 engaged and very interested. And I will say that my love of these kinds of movies comes from, I watched at a very early age, um, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Um, and I can't remember who made that movie. But it is it is such a beautiful film um, that features a lot of cooking, Japan, um, 
Asian cooking in it. And it, and for whatever reason, that movie just really did it for me um, and set me up just to love this kind of Asian filmmaking. So I'm excited about it. Still walking. Uh, Hirokazu Koreeda directed it. Uh, and I'll be looking forward to hearing what you all have to say. I'm going to make some predictions. I think Peter Allen Clark is going to love it. I think probably Wizards, Wizard is going to find it heartwarming and Quarry is going to fall asleep and not finish watching it. <laughs> Great. Oh, Great. We've got no. I'm a child. <laughs> I like predictions. I like having the predictions in. If who's going to who's going to love it, who's going to hate it. I look I very much look forward to watching it. Um I uh, thank you all very much for all of your help in discussing uh, getting to the meat of real life. I think this was a great conversation. Um, and I think that's going to do it for us this week on Crit Club. Uh, thank you, Angela. Thank you, Wizard Chris. Thank you, Corey. Um, and I guess we will see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.